listening to Bonus Points, the official podcast of Mr. Astle's theology class. Join us as we put out into the deep and explore the world of theology and beyond. Today, we're beginning a new series on how to read the Bible. Let's begin. Well, welcome to another episode of Bonus Points. Before we dive in, I want to give a quick shout out to the St. Joseph's Catholic Academy graduating class of 2022. They had their graduation on Saturday, and so now they are officially our newest alumni. And boy, I could not be more proud of these young men and women. They're fantastic, every single one of them, and I know they have so many good things ahead. So shout out to the senior class of 2022. And congratulations, you made it. You're done. That leads me to my next point. It is almost summer. In fact, as I'm recording this here, it is Monday of finals week for the underclassmen. And so I want to give you a quick update about my summer plans. Since I typically do record at school in my classroom or in the morning, my plan is to keep doing the show. Uh, It might not be as consistent or as regular. I have kind of a busy summer lined up. So what I'm planning to do is maybe I'll, I'll come in, record a few episodes at a time, and then schedule them to post on Monday mornings like we're used to. That might not always work out perfectly, or it might. It's hard to say. So you can expect, you can hope to see new episodes every week, just like we have been doing. But it's possible there may be some disruptions just because we will be on summer break. As a reminder, if you have an idea for a future episode, or you want to ask a question for one of those question and ask episodes that I do from time to time, head on over to the show's website, www.bonuspointspodcast.com. There you'll find a page where you can suggest topics or ideas for future episodes, and you can also ask questions for question and ask. So I hope you take a chance or take the chance to go and do that so that you can have your, you can leave your mark on the future of the show. Today, I'm excited because we are beginning a new series on how to read the Bible. This is something that I think is going to be interesting, I think is going to be desired, I think there's some demand for this, because we all know that we should be reading the Bible more, but if we ever take the time to actually sit down and do it, we find that it's not super accessible right from the start, especially if you just sit down and crack it open somewhere in the middle well, you never know what you're going to get, and you're, not, you're definitely never going to know whether you'll understand what you see. So I hope this series helps a little bit, um, helps to lower the, the barrier for entry, so to speak. And if nothing else, we'll encourage you to pick up the Bible and try it out and, and encounter God's Word. I do want to give a disclaimer. I'm not a biblical scholar. Though I do have a fondness for biblical theology, especially of all the areas of theology, Um, I do have a particular fondness for biblical theology. I am an amateur in the truest and original sense of the word. That is literally a lover. I, I have a deep love for scripture, and I hope you can too. I hope you do too. So here's my plan. This episode, we're going to talk about kind of the, the very fundamentals. What is the Bible? What do Catholics believe about the Bible, when it, like, what does it mean to call it God's word? Is it infallible? What, what do we mean by infallible? And I'll hopefully give some encouragement about why we should take the time to read the Bible. Why do this in the first place? There are many books out there. Why this one? 
in the next episode of the series, we'll talk about the big picture, the story of the Bible, kind of uh, from the bird's eye view. If you were to, to look up the synopsis, what's the story? After that, we'll have an episode on how to pray using the Bible, how to use scripture as a form of prayer. And then finally, how to study scripture better, how to understand what we read, and some basics of biblical interpretation. So that's my plan for the next few episodes. I hope it's enjoyable. I hope it's enlightening. And more than anything, I hope that it inspires you to pick up the good book and read it. So let's talk about what the Bible is to start. Without a doubt, the Bible is the most influential book in human history. It is the most widely published and read work of literature ever. I mean, it's not just a good book, it's the good book, right? The Bible has influenced our culture so thoroughly that even people who have never read the Bible, even the the shortest verse, they're going to use expressions that come from the Bible, probably without even realizing it. I mean, think about expressions like, um, like being saved from something by the skin of your teeth. Or when we talk about taking a sabbatical, we say God loves a cheerful giver or money's the root of all evil. Um, which, by the way, technically the verse is love of money is the root of all evil. But we talk about good Samaritans and all these expressions that have become ubiquitous in our culture find their origin in scripture, whether we recognize it or not. You cannot overstate the influence that the Bible has had on the world. That said, it's more like a library than a book. I know we call it the good book. Usually you find, uh, when you, if you just go to the store to get a Bible, you will find a single volume. But it's more like a library because it's actually made up of 73 books written by more than 50 authors over more than a thousand years. In these books, you'll find history and poetry and prophecy. You'll find love stories, war stories, detective stories. There's all sorts of stuff in there. And so it can be a little daunting um, to just kind of open it up in the middle because there's so much going on and there are so many different types of books in the Bible. That said, one of my favorite images for scripture is that of a photo album that the Bible is the family photo album for the sons and daughters of God, for God's children. I like this for a few reasons. First of all, if you think about a photo album, you're going to have a lot of different pictures in there. You're going to have pictures from formal events and not so formal events and, and serious things and lighthearted things. And the important thing is when you read a family photo album, it needs to be read in the context of the family, right? Um, we don't just hand individual members of the family their own copy of the photo album and kind of just say, all right, go have fun and, and let them look through it and make up stories behind the pictures and try to figure it out. No, the fullest experience of a photo album is when the family sits down together and goes through the photo album together. And the people who were at some of the events can say, this is what was happening in this picture. They can look and, and they can pass on who who is that in that picture? I don't recognize them. And that applies to scripture because the proper place for scripture is in the church. And in fact, that is where we primarily encounter scriptures in the mass. And just as we don't hand a kid a photo album and say, all right, you're on your own. Uh, we don't hand the Bible on and just say, okay, 
you're on your own, go for it. Just like the family is the context that should help us to interpret and understand the photo album, the church is the context that should help us understand and interpret scripture. Because after all, scripture is our story. It's our photo album. And when we talk about the canon of scripture, the list of books that are considered biblical, the entire reason that the canon developed in the first place was to establish which books, which letters are acceptable to be, to be read during the liturgy. I mean, think about the, the Testament or the canon of the New Testament. It wasn't like the church sat down and said, hey, we're kind of a new, new thing now. We need our own book. We need to, to write a part two. We need a sequel here. No, the, they were reading the scriptures, what we now call the Old Testament, in the liturgy. And then some of these new things, the memoirs of the apostles, which we call the gospels, the letters of Paul, some other letters, they were also being read in the liturgy, especially in those communities that they were addressed to. And so the question became, what texts are appropriate to read during Mass? That list, that canon, is eventually becomes the New Testament. So all of that to say, we as Catholics place a very, very high value on Scripture, but we're not sola scriptura. We're not Bible alone. And that topic is certainly big enough to have its own episode. Um, but I, I, I like that photo album analogy because I think that on an intuitive level, it makes sense, right? It makes sense that just as the photo album ought to be interpreted in the context of the family, scripture ought to be interpreted in the context of the church. So how does the church read the Bible? Is it infallible? Should we read it literally? Well, there are two adjectives I want to use here. The first one is inspired. We say that the Bible is inspired. Literally, that word inspired means breathed into. And, and of course, when we talk about that divine breath, we're referring to the Holy Spirit. So to say that scripture is inspired is to say that the Holy Spirit guided the human authors who wrote each of the 73 books. We said above there were 50 more than 50 different authors who contributed to the Bible. And we believe they are genuine authors. Uh, it's not like when they sat down to write, they went into a trance and the Holy Spirit just started moving their hand across the page. Uh, it's also not like the Holy Spirit was was whispering in their ear and they were just kind of um, transcribing what they heard. We believe that the human authors used their human abilities, their human intellect, um, which would have been formed by the culture and the language that they were in, but that the Holy Spirit guided that process. And so this is why we spend time studying the language of the scriptures, why we spend time studying the culture that the authors of scripture lived in, because, and, and this applies to all of us, when we write, we are influenced by the culture around us. We're influenced by the culture we grew up in. And it's the same for the biblical authors. And so understanding their culture understanding what kinds of phrase, phrases they would use or how they would look at the world, that's going to help us understand their writings. And we all, we at the same time, it, it is a process that was guided by the Holy Spirit. And so we have a both and here. Is the Bible, is the author of scripture, the, the human authors who wrote each book, like Paul, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or is the author of scripture, the Holy Spirit, well, it's both. We would say the author of, of Scripture is both the human authors and the divine author. 
And that is what it means to call scripture inspired, literally breathed into. The second adjective I want to use is that the Bible is inerrant, meaning it is free from error. What that means is that the Bible perfectly conveys the truths that God intends to convey. And so whatever God is trying to communicate through scripture is going to be communicated. Whatever whatever God intends to communicate, we can trust is true. We will not find falsehood. And when we think about ourselves, there are many times when we we convey something to another person. And even if they, they perfectly understand what we're trying to convey, it's still possible that we are wrong. We There was no error in communication there. We conveyed something clearly, but it wasn't correct. When it comes to scripture, we can be sure that if we're understanding what it's saying, we can trust that what it's saying is true. Now, it is possible that we might misunderstand scripture, that we might not see it clearly, and so we might come away with false ideas, but we can rest assured that God is communicating truth, and so as long as we are we are receiving what he is saying, we can rely that it is true. So, that said, as Catholics, do we read the Bible literally? Well, yes and no. It depends how you're using the word. So, when we think about the word literal, when we think about reading something in, in what we would call the literal sense, what that means is that we read scripture for what the author was trying to say. So to read something literally means we have to look at what was the author trying to tell us. Now, sometimes that's very straightforward. When you think about, for example, a history book or a historical text, the author's intending to convey details and facts about an event that happened. That's pretty straightforward. But then we can also think about a a symbolic story, or like, for example, the parables of Jesus. Jesus was trying to convey certain lessons, certain ideas, but not necessarily historical events. So he's when Jesus tells us the parable of the um, the Good Samaritan, for example, he's not claiming that there was a, a literal man walking on the road to Jericho who got robbed and an, an actual Samaritan and you could go there and find him and meet him today. It's a story he tells. Now, it's possible it could have been based on a true story, but Jesus isn't necessarily saying that. And so when we say that we read the Bible literally or in the literal sense, what we mean is that we read the Bible to understand what the authors are trying to say. That doesn't necessarily mean that we aren't going to take anything as symbolic. It doesn't mean that we don't recognize metaphors or figures of speech, because sometimes that's what the author is trying to convey. Sometimes they are writing metaphors. And so we do take the Bible literally as Catholics, but that doesn't mean that we can't read certain passages as being primarily symbolic or metaphorical, because when we talk about reading the Bible literally, that's what we mean. We mean we are reading what the author is trying to say. And that does require that we put it into context within within the book, a particular passage within its book. But even within the context of scripture itself, we have to look at culture and language and, and history and all of the things we know so that we can understand what was the author trying to say when he wrote this. And we would contrast that from... Um, a literalistic position where 
the page says this, therefore it's this. And there's very little room for a metaphorical interpretation or a symbolic interpretation. We reject that because we recognize that the human authors are genuine authors. And so they're conditioned by their culture. They're writing in a particular language at a particular time. And if we're going to understand what they're saying, clearly, especially at a distance of 2000 plus years, we're going to need to go a little bit deeper. We're going to need to think about it a little bit more. And in no way is that implying that there's anything less than true in scripture. So even if we take a particular passage and we say that it is primarily to be understood in a symbolic way, that is not at all saying that that means it's not true. The truth is there no matter what. The only question is, how are we to understand what the author is trying to tell us? Okay, so that brings us to our second main question for this episode, and that's, why should we read the Bible? Um, which sounds like a silly question at first. You know, why? I, I mean, if you're a Christian, you kind of have this innate sense that you're supposed to read the Bible. But why? Um, I think there are a few reasons, and I'm sure there are more. There might even be better reasons. But these are just the ones as I thought about this, as I pondered this question, you know, why should we read the Bible? Here are some of the things that came to my mind. Well, first of all, and the first thing that came to mind is that God reveals himself to us through scripture, right? This, this is the main story. This is the main point. This is what it's all about. God revealing himself to us. When we look at scripture, we find that God reveals himself gradually. He doesn't, um, he doesn't always reveal himself in the same way with the same level of intensity or even the same level of clarity, but he always meets us where we're at. You know, you look at Adam and Eve right after they get kicked out of Eden. They're not, they're not in um, a very strong place. They're not really ready for God to reveal himself. And then you get all the way up to Jesus, the full, the, the definitive revelation of God. And you see, we're in a very different place. And so that's kind of the story of the entire Old Testament is piece by piece, little by little, God revealing himself in deeper and clearer ways, all leading up to Christ. And so God reveals himself. He reveals himself as a trinity of love, right? Uh, as a love that will even die for us. And I think that really is the, the big picture, the main point. What does God want us to take away? He wants us to know him. He wants us to know that he is a trinity of three persons and one God. And he wants us to know how much he loves us. He wants us to know that he is love, that he is an eternal communion of love, of father, son, and spirit, and that he loves us so much that he's willing to die for us. I think everything in scripture is really trying to, to make that loud and clear. And that's important for us because that is the fundamental truth of the universe, right? We all want to know truth, but we all want to know capital T truth. We all want to, we, we have a deeper hunger, right? We, we like to know true things, but we want more than just a series of truths. We want to know more than just a bunch of things that are true. We want something deeper. We want truth itself. And when we find him, that's the truth that he reveals, that God is love and that he dies for us. So 
Reason number one, why read the Bible? Uh, Because God reveals himself to us. If we want to know God, well, there aren't too many better places to look than, than his own book that he gave us. Not only that, I think, and this is definitely less important compared to the first one, but in scripture, God reveals us. He not only reveals himself, but he reveals um, he, he reveals humanity and he reveals me as an individual. Aquinas defines truth as that which corresponds to reality. And if God is truth and if, if scripture speaks truth, then scripture reveals reality to me. It reveals human nature. I mean, you don't have to look very far in scripture to find examples of Examples of good behavior, but also some some non-examples, some examples of bad behavior. I always love it. So um, for those who don't know, at St. Joe's freshman year, you take all scripture. So for all the fall semester, you have Old Testament. The spring semester, you have New Testament. And I always love how there are ninth graders in the fall who are absolutely scandalized that there are people in the Bible doing bad things. Um, I mean, everyone kind of knows, oh yeah, original sin, they shouldn't have done that. But then we get to examples um, like Ham's sin against his father Noah. And they're like, wait, hold on. I didn't think that was in there. Does that, like, God's not saying that's okay, right? You get to David um, committing adultery and then murdering the husband of his lover. And it's, there's and they're especially scandalized by that one because they've always known David as one of the good guys, and so they stop and they they think is this is this really good? Is God saying this is good? And the answer is of course not. We find plenty of examples in Scripture of people at their worst, of people lying and cheating and murdering, and every manner of sin that you can come up with is there because that's us. That's our fallen nature, and Scripture reveals that to us. And so, Scripture not only reveals God, Scripture reveals our fallen human nature. It shows us how, not only how good we can be, but also how bad we can be. Scripture not only reveals humanity in general, but it also reveals me to myself. Scripture helps me, I'm talking about like me as an individual, you as an individual, it helps us to come to know ourselves better because first of all, we see ourselves reflected in the people we read about in scripture, both good and bad, right? We can read about certain people in scripture at their best and at their worst. And we can think of times when we were there, maybe not as severe as committing adultery and then murder back to back, but we can all look and we can see times when, you know, we, we have that same pride perhaps, or, or whatever it is, we can see ourselves in scripture and it helps us to understand ourselves better. We also know that God speaks to us here and now, that God speaks to me through his word. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is alive and that it pierces to the heart. And so if I allow it, scripture will tell me who I am. We say, um, there's that song, I, I am who you say I am. And we find that often in scripture is God tells us who we are and what he's done for us. So if we read the Bible, 
We come to know God better because it's how he reveals himself to us. And we come to know ourselves better, both as a species and as an individual. And the last image I want to share, I get both of these from Dr. Peter Kreeft and his book, You Can Understand the Bible, which of course I'll be linking in the show notes. But he compares scripture to a love letter. He says that, um, you know, it's a love story, right? It's about God's love for us and especially how he loves us by dying for us. But he says that scripture is a love letter that has your name on it. It's not just addressed, dear occupant. It is to you, it is for you, and it speaks to you. He also calls it a pop-up book um, because he says if we read scripture, it will it will jump off the page and it will strike us the way a pop-up book does. I guess most pop-up books don't strike you unless you're too close to it, but you get the idea, right? That um, scripture it has this tendency, and I've noticed this too, it has a tendency to refuse to remain static. It has this tendency to insist on its dynamic effect, that you read it and it it just hits you sometimes in a way that other books don't. Now, I'm not saying every single verse in scripture will, will leave you with this reaction every time, but we've, we have this experience, especially as we read the Gospels, where we feel our hearts burning like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Or maybe we feel like the crowd on the day of Pentecost who say, um, they hear Peter's sermon and they say, uh, scripture says that they were cut to the heart. And sometimes that's us, right? Sometimes we read scripture and we're cut to the heart. We're convicted. We see those areas where we need to change. And other times we read scripture and we are just so comforted and consoled uh, and we just get wrapped up in that that warm, I call them the warm fuzzies, right? That that warm embrace of God, our heart burns within us. And so we'll talk more specifically in future episodes about how to read the Bible, how to understand what you read, and how to make reading scripture a form of prayer. But in the meantime, I hope this first episode in the series gave you the reason. It, it gives you a little bit of background, a little bit of context and more than anything, gives you the motivation to actually sit down and spend some time with sacred scripture. I encourage you, try it out, right? Open up to one of the four gospels and just read it slowly. Take it in, allow it to transform you, allow it to speak to you. I know there are many people who have said many good things about scripture, I know that's my entire goal here in these episodes is to speak about scripture, but there really is no substitute for actual exposure to scripture. God's word is infinitely better than than man's words about God's word. Even when that man is as intelligent and handsome as I am, there really is no substitute for scripture. And so my encouragement, my, my, my closing encouragement to you today Take some time today. Take 10, 15 minutes and and just read through one of the Gospels slowly, or even just part of one of the Gospels, even just one passage, and allow it to transform you. Let it into your heart. So what resources do I leave you with today? Uh, well, I have a link to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and what it says about the four senses of Scripture. We'll talk more about the senses of scripture when we talk about how to interpret the Bible in a few episodes, 
But in the meantime, it gives us a good definition of the literal sense and what it means to read the Bible literally. I'll also have a link to the part of the Catechism that talks about biblical inerrancy and what it means to call the Bible inspired. And then I have three books that are super duper helpful, super important. The first one is A Catholic Introduction to the Bible, the Old Testament by John Bergsma and Brant Petra. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal textbook. I understand that the New Testament volume is coming out soon, I think maybe even sometime this year. But it begins with a chapter or two, a whole section maybe, on how Catholics read the Bible. And, and you can go deeper with things like the different types of biblical criticism and what it means to read the Bible literally, and some of the important principles for interpretation that we're going to be referencing. Along that line, I also want to um, show you the Ignatius Study Bible, New Testament. For those who don't know, a study Bible is a Bible that has more extensive footnotes. So where in many Bibles, if it has footnotes at all, they will be a tiny strip at the bottom. In a study Bible, like the Ignatius Study Bible, you will find the footnotes take up almost half the page, and they're much more thorough. And that can be super helpful for studying scripture. It's not always the most convenient to pray with, to take into the chapel with you. But if you're trying to understand what you read better, it's a great place to start, especially if you don't have too much of a background in biblical theology. And then the third book uh, that I want to recommend is one that I hope you pick up and read. It is one of the best books on scripture I've ever read, and that is Dr. Peter Kreef's You Can Understand the Bible, which I mentioned earlier. He begins with an encouragement to, to read the Bible. Some of the things we talked about today come from there. And then he gives a very short um, summary walkthrough of each book of the Bible. So he goes through all 73. Each chapter is short enough that, as he describes it, you can enjoy it with a donut and coffee. And I think that's a really accessible way to get the big picture, to get the main idea. And so that is all I have for you today. As always, please share this episode with somebody you think would enjoy it. Share the show. Remind them that the episodes are not often in order, and they're numbered when they are, so they can go back and, and see if any of our previous episodes stand out or seem interesting. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you have ideas for future episodes, if you have ideas for topics you would like to see covered later on, head on over to the website bonuspointspodcast.com and suggest your topic there. Several of the topics we've done so far have been user-submitted, and so this is your chance to leave a mark on the show. You can also find the form to submit questions for Question Anastal on the website. And I'm hoping to do another episode of Question Anastal soon. So really, you can submit those questions at any point. But I would like to see, um, I, I almost have enough to do another episode of Q&A. And so I, I would really like to do that in the near future here. As always, please pray for me. Um, and know that I'm praying for you each and every day. Thank you for joining us once again as we continue every episode to put out into the deep, exploring the world of theology and beyond.